Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real-Time Enterprise channel on Vantic TV, our video and podcast series of interviews with thought leaders and practitioners in digital transformation and the real-time enterprise. My name is Blaine Matthew, and I'm Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Vantic. For those not familiar with Vantic, it's a platform for quickly creating applications to operate your business in real time. Since these episodes are pre-recorded, we won't be taking live Q&A, but you can reach either myself or the guest by sending a note to realtimeadvantic.com and we will be more than happy to follow up. Today's topic is business impact of AI and IoT on the real-time enterprise. And I'm really excited that joining me in this discussion format webinar is Tamara McCleary. Sorry, Tamara. Tamara is CEO of Thulium and an international branding expert, technology futurist, and digital strategy consultant. She's recognized as a thought leader and top five influencer on topics such as artificial intelligence, robotics, and IoT and a top 50 influencer in digital transformation overall. Pretty incredible. So I'm really very much looking forward to our discussion today. And Tamara, thank you for joining us. Ah, it's my pleasure. This is going to be a really fun conversation because you just hit all the topics that I'm wildly passionate about. So. Well, there you go. And, yeah. and it will be fun for sure because this is actually our first webinar in this series. This is our very first one. Get out. It is. I'm it. You're it. You're, wow, you're number I'm the one. inaugural one. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we're definitely going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be very interactive. I think really interesting for the group that's listening to this. So Tamara, I see you everywhere. You're hosting panels at tech events, speaking, doing interviews all the time. Give us a few examples of what you've been up to lately. Oh, wow. I've been really um, excited. I, I, yesterday, I did a panel on augmented reality and virtual reality and the practical applications of these technologies in the enterprise space, hmm. um, you know, going beyond the hype and how we are actually using the technology in everything from workforce transformation to, you know, healthcare and uh, uh, treatment of you know people with PTSD mm. to um, you know workforce safety you know in environments where you know augmented reality and virtual reality actually makes sense. But I mm. think mm. what's really keen on that is when we look at the future, you know workforce transformation is huge, and how are we going to upskill and skill the the workers of the future? as we have an extraordinary amount of people within the next decade who are gonna be retiring. Hmm. So, you know, you look at how technology is augmenting our lives and that's what gets me excited. And then you pair that with artificial intelligence, which is one of my favorite topics paired with machine learning, um, which is where things get really exciting um, and how we're able to really harness insights from the massive tsunami of data out there because, um, you know, as you and I are probably going to touch on, you know, with the Internet of Things, we have, you know, more and more and more information coming in. And that information is, you know, really useless unless we can gain meaningful insights from it and do something to grow the business. And really, this is what it's all about is uh, how do you grow the business? Wow. Well, you've given us a great teaser for some <laughs> of the stuff that's coming up here right on. And I understand Sorry. here already. <laughs> And I understand you're getting on a plane tomorrow to Istanbul. Is, is yes. that right? What's, yes. What's going on? 
It's exciting. I'm going to be talking about the future of trust and why this is so tantamount right now is uh, uh, last week I was recently, I was uh, speaking at RSA and talking about, you know, here we have all of this plethora of data and we, you know, we're harnessing machine learning uh, and all of a sudden you have to think about the security implications and, you know, and GDPR, which, you know, everybody's running frantic about, but, you know, if you have a breach, um, then, you know, now there are penalties and, and fines that are significant enough to take an organization down. So this uh, talking about the future of trust is really twofold. It's, a, it's both within the organization, how they are going to, within digital transformation, make sure that security is not a bolt-on. Um, yes. And it's integrated throughout the entire, you know, stack in the organization, but also, with your customers, so with client acquisition, because AI is becoming so exquisite, it's hard to tell uh, a human from an AI. You know, you, we've got chatbots now that I, I guarantee you, you wouldn't know the difference. So hmm. customers are really wanting to know what's real, um, what they can trust. Can they trust their data with you? Can they trust the fact that there won't be a breach so that they aren't then, you know, facing potential massive damages? So this future of trust, I think, is such a juicy conversation. I'm really excited uh, to yeah. deliver and be main stage keynote. It's really interesting. In fact, you talk about chatbots. I sometimes man the chat line at, at Vantic on our website. And it, at least three times now, somebody has asked me, are you real or are you a chatbot? <laughs> I and don't know, Blaine. Are you real? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I could be an AI avatar right now. I guess it might be hard to tell. But honestly, one of these guys, I could not convince him I was a real person. There was nothing I could say that could convince him. He kept coming back saying, wow, you're well programmed. Wow. You know, it's, I said, wow, if I'm an AI bot, I'm sitting down to an AI steak right now about to eat my dinner. So can you leave me alone? You know, but it was, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, Blaine, you could have taken credit for it and said, you know, well, here at Vantic, we really do take artificial intelligence seriously. And I don't know. I mean, it's really funny. And, you know, for me, it's not so much about whether it's AI or human, because honestly, I do believe that we are, you know, it, genie's out of the bottle. Sorry, folks, it's already here. And we are working collaboratively, yeah. collaboratively with machines. So it's the machine human um, integration. And so it matters less as to whether or not you're chatting with a human or an AI. What matters most is are you being served? Are your challenges being addressed? And is this meeting your needs? And, you know, it's, it's less about whether or not the person on the other end is human. Is it helpful? Is it serving? Right. Well, so in, in the, that little intro we just did, you've touched on pretty well every topic we're going to talk about today. So that's, uh, that's fantastic. So just to let everybody know, for the folks that are listening to this live, you can answer, enter questions into the Q&A bot uh, into the video window. And we will get to them at the, at the end. If for some reason we can't do that, we will follow up one-on-one. -on -one. So let's dive, let's dive into it. We really already have dove into it. But uh, out, of, out of all the things you're exposed to and working on and thinking about, what particularly excites you these days about what's going on at the intersection of business and technology? What excites me is uh, 
it's multi-leveled and here's why you know i'm the ceo of a global digital marketing agency so obviously i have you know the duties of a ceo are looking at solving our business challenges because you know for me everything's pretty much driven off that PL, right so that's the sad truth of it but it's the truth and um, you know, coming from the angle of a mark, digital marketing agency, what I'm seeing is the fact that we're using technology to um, help other organizations be more profitable, and that makes us more profitable because we're here to solve business challenges. So, you know, within the marketing space, that's our role, and we work within the enterprise space specifically. So, we're helping organizations. Um, with their marketing on the enterprise level to be able to prove marketing's contribution to business growth. And that gives marketing a power seat at the table um, because they're now, you know, partnering with sales to drive business growth. And I love it because, you know, having spent many years in both marketing and sales, yeah. the, the old way without being able to quantify what you're doing um, when marketing was squishy, marketing was the first one where their budget was always robbed, you know, and they sat, sat defenseless at many of those executive tables when something needed to be done and there were no funds. They're like, oh, we'll take it for marketing. So I think it's wickedly excited to be able to prove um, the results that marketing is having within the organization. And I think it's just it's a delicious time of being able to validate what art and science mixed together can do for an organization as far as moving the needle top and bottom line. Yeah, well, and I think that leads into the, the next sort of topic around digital transformation. So marketing is, is one of the elements that can truly help transform an organization. And I know for digital first companies like, like your company and like many startups, they're not thinking about digital transformation they're, they're just doing it. You know, they're digital native organizations. They're already immersed in this, but for most companies, you know, they're talking about digital transformation as something they have to do. You know, they have to take the company from here to there to avoid being disrupted or to drive new, you know, new areas of growth. I know you're actually speaking at Digital Business World in Madrid in May. Uh, so you talk about this topic quite a bit. What do you, to you, what does digital transformation really mean? And why do you think companies are talking about it so much these days? Well, you know, that's, that's a power pack question. So I'm going to deconstruct it a bit here. So if you need to interrupt me, please do. Um, but, you know, digital transformation, what it, what it means to me is that each and every organization has to look at how they're going to remain relevant and competitive. Um, bottom line is, if you're not growing, you won't be here long. And all of us, um, you know, whether whether the, it's a legacy brand or it's a digital native brand, we're all casting a knowing glance over our shoulder trying to look for the two guys in a garage that we haven't identified yet, right? Yep. So this is a time when it's a highly competitive marketplace. Um, everyone's trying to figure out how to be the signal and the noise. And knowing that you know, the future is progressing so quickly. So our speed to innovation is so fast right now. It's, it's like taking a drink out of a fire hose. And so we have, we know that the organization has to be ready for the changes that are happening. We know that, you know, things are moving to the cloud. It, 
that's the way of it. We know that artificial intelligence and machine learning are really going to have to be harnessed within the organization um, to be able to make sense of all the data coming in because everything now has a sensor and everything mm -hmm. now can be tracked and right. so much can be automated. So we're thinking about increased efficiencies. But I think the big challenge around defining what digital transformation is and, and how to actually implement it and execute it within an organization, the challenge is it within these giant legacy brands that you know, have to keep operations going the way they are, right? Because well, what are you gonna do with you know, you know, billions of dollars coming in? Just, just don't stop because you're gonna completely you know, reinvent your, your, your uh, business process. But what you have to do is keep this going while you implement changes within the organization. Mm -hmm. And truly the way this has to happen is in a way that it's integrated. Um, so there aren't, or let's say not that there aren't any bumps or hiccups, but that you minimize them because there, I mean, there are, as you're making this transformation, there are a few bumps, but yeah. it's, you know, it's really about minimizing that, but, knowing that you have to shift your organization to be ready for the future. And I think so, that's where everyone's scrambling. Yeah. So it's a technology, technology is an enabler, but one of the, some of the key challenges are organizational. It's not just about the technology. Oh, okay. So I would say most of the challenges are organizational. I mean, here's the problem. You can't throw technology into an organization and go transform us. You know, first of all, you have to get crystal clear on what are the business challenges that you're trying to solve for. Um, and, you know, really it's that clarity of vision and focus that has to happen first so that as you do begin to um, uh, bring technology to the table, you understand clearly why you're bringing it and it, can it be integrated into what you already have? I find that a lot of organizations have a lot of packages of technology and none of them or very few of them are, are fully integrated with one another. So you have a lot of duplication going on. Mm -hmm. You have uh, business units that can't talk to other business units. And what's really frustrating is when you have data coming in from one area of the organization that can't be used or integrated in with another part of the organization that's using a different kind of tool. So these are missed opportunities, but I also think of it from the fact that you're losing money because you're spending money um, without the wisdom of realizing, all right, we need to invest in things that are completely integrated and we can share this information amongst the business units within the organization so that we can take steps, actionable steps on those insights that we are clearly gleaning from yeah. the data. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's interesting. One of the, you know, we, maybe we can reflect a little bit on other than broad organizational issues, what some of the uh, more common sort of failure modes for digital transformation are, or maybe, maybe success modes. I know you talk to a lot of CEOs, you go to a lot of events that we talked about earlier. Maybe there's a self-selection bias there where you're going to these events and it's the, the companies and the CEOs that are successfully engaging in digital transformation that you're talking to. But where, where do you think the market is overall in terms of its evolution toward being, uh, doing a successful digital transformation? Are we still in the early days or, or are you feeling good about, you know, some of the CEOs you're talking to and interviewing on these panels that they're really getting it? You know, it's, it's the, it depends on the, the level 
that the organization's at. Because you're right, I think you've identified something really interesting, Blaine, and that is the people that are attending these conferences uh, about the future and digital transformation, obviously it's top of mind for them because they're willing to invest to be there. Yeah. And so the conversations that are going on there are incredibly exquisite. I do think these organizations are um, doing a brilliant job of creating a, a very potent ecosystem of partners to mm-hmm. help them. Because I think the fallacy is, is that the organization needs to digitally transform themselves, you know, on their own. And I, and, you know, really the wisdom that I see out there going across the globe talking about this is that it's far easier to digitally transform an organization when they do have this ecosystem of partners to help them be successful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I fully, obviously, I, I fully agree with that because we see Vantic as one of those key partners when, when we work with our clients. Uh, at the same time, another, you know, sort of failure mode we often see in digital transformation initiatives is, is the CEO or the executive team or the board decides we must transform. And then that begins a, you know, a ginormous process across the entire company, which, which takes years and never actually happens. Meanwhile, the market's moving at the speed of innovation, as you talked about. And these companies would be better off to start smaller, be agile, pick specific projects, have some wins, you know, and then expand from there versus trying to boil the entire ocean all, all at once. I couldn't agree with you more, Blaine. I think that it's, you know, I think what we have here is a failure to communicate. And so, you know, when you have an organization that's racing and haphazardly across the board trying to change everything, um, it, it, what it is, is it, it's exactly a setup for failure. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that it's far more intelligent to go at it as you had suggested, which is do it in stages. You know, mm-hmm. map it out, plan it out, because honestly, if you try to do it all right now, and it's going to take several years for you to do that, the technology is moving so quickly that by the time you get that fully integrated and implemented, it's probably going to change yeah. anyway. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I do yeah. think that it is um, take it off in bite-sized bite pieces, but have a clear map. This, this is the thing I, I think, too, is that you've got to have a roadmap of how you plan to transform the organization and, and make sure everyone is on the same page. You've got to get all everyone aligned on this because as you know, it, everything's doomed to failure if it's just this top-down edict of here's what we got to do. You've got to make sure the communication within the organization is so exquisitely interwoven that everybody is working toward the same goal and they are very clear on what those goals are Mm -hmm. and the map. What are the stages? What are we doing first? What has to be done before we go to here? And I think a lot of people uh, run before they walk and that's a mistake. Mm, yep. Yeah. You mentioned racing a second ago, and maybe that's because you had your interview with the CEO of McLaren Racing on your on your mind that, that you did a few days ago. I yeah. love Zach Brown. Zach is amazing, right? So, you know, you, you don't think of Formula One, you don't think of McLaren as being, you know, technology, but, you know, there's a lot of technology that goes into Formula One racing. And, um, you know, what was interesting from my perspective, and I was wildly excited to do the interview with him um, because I am a a fan, a definite fan. 
So that was delicious. Like I get to talk to Zach Brown, but you know, what, what's interesting is they brought him in because there were some serious business challenges just as it is, you know, McLaren needs to win, right? Your organization, my organization needs to win. It's the same goal. It's a business. And so we have to look at what those challenges are. Their, their challenge is they need to be faster. They need speed to win. And it's only going to happen through technology. And it's the same for you and me. The only way we're going to win, the only way our businesses are going to survive and thrive and grow is if we are faster. Yeah. And so speed, whether you're a Formula One race car or you're a business, a digital marketing agency, or yours, which is solving like massive digital transformation problems for organizations, it's about how quickly can you get to these wins. Right, right on. And uh, to digress a bit on Formula One racing, I'm also a big Formula One fan. Being a Canadian, I guess we all, you know, we all watch Formula One up there. And, uh, and it is actually startling what the digital transformation has been in Formula One over the last decade or so. You know, this is not a bunch of grease monkeys uh, fooling around with, with, with fast cars. This is a totally digital experience from the cockpit to, the, to what happens in pit lane to now the broadcasting experience where you can literally, you know, experience the, the uh, broadcast from the point of view of the driver or anybody else on the track. It's it, the digital trans, uh, besides the cars themselves are now half electric, they're hybrid cars. So it's truly an amazing digital transformation Formula One has undergone in the last decade or so. And, but anyway, to, to leave that that digression for a second on the topic of speed I think this is a great segue into the next concept of becoming a real-time business so you know I've long uh, worked on the premise that digital transformation or a key element of what digital transformation means to most companies is how do you turn your company into a true real-time organization a real-time business I think uber is a great example that you know t- the taxi industry was not a real-time business you, you made a call, you somehow found the number, you made a call, you waited on hold, finally you talked to somebody, then they dispatched somebody to, to pick you up. Maybe they arrived 10 or 15 or half an hour later, maybe they didn't arrive at all. And then you try to get to your location. The whole thing was you know, the opposite of a real-time business. Uber turned that into a real-time business by a detailed understanding of the location and status in real time of the passengers, the drivers, what their needs are, doing appropriate matching, getting them to the location, and already planning what the next drive will be. Netflix has done the same thing in, in media to broadcasters, turn, you know, turn broadcasting into a, a real-time business. What, do you have any, any thoughts come to mind on this notion of what it means to be a real-time business? Because you've talked about speed to innovation. You mentioned racing. I know this concept is definitely on your mind. Absolutely. I mean, because we've changed. Um, culturally, we've changed. As a society, we've changed because we are addicted to speed. We want our needs met now. Uh, we don't want to wait. I remember, you know, I, I, I always joke that when someone says, where do you live? I say, I live on United Airlines because um, I pretty much spend more time on a United flight than I do <laughs> at home. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I remember when I would get on a plane and I just expected, so now we're talking about expectations. I expected yeah. that I wouldn't be able to use my 
devices and I wouldn't be able to communicate with anyone except for, do you remember when you could put your credit card in? And use oh, them? I remember. Yep. So, uh, but in, you know, now you have Wi-Fi, so you can log in, you can get work done, you can text, you can do all those things. And so we've become to expect that level of, of service. And yet when we are denied that, when they make the announcement that there is no Wi-Fi available on the flight, it's now this massive disappointment. Like, what? There's no right. Wi-Fi? Right. And um, I remember when it first came out, we were just like, it was a, it was a miracle. Like, the angels descended upon the planes, and now we could use the, and it was so such a happy experience. Now it's just a frustrating experience because it doesn't yeah. work properly. Yeah. So our expectations have changed, and our customers' expectations have changed. Yeah. They The reason real time is critical is that people want it, what they want, when they want it, and they want it now. Same with responses. This is why chatbots are critical because people want a response right now. They don't want to have to wait. So, um, you know, I think it's really important for any business, you know, whether you're an Uber or you're a manufacturer or, you know, you're a teleco, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It has to be real time. And then almost we're getting to that point, Blaine, would you agree that it's almost like it has to be faster than real time? Like you have to anticipate and it needs to be preemptive. Exactly right. And that'll, that'll help us segue into machine learning and AI in, in just a second. But I think here, to step back a bit, the examples you gave are, are right on. And you mentioned manufacturing, you know, on the, on the B2B side, you know, it, the, the buyers and the customers of manufacturers are absolutely requiring, you know, real time. I think of, you know, many, many of our clients are, have built real time field service applications. So you think of the way field service used to be done. Okay, machine breaks down, say it's an air conditioner. How did you find out it broke down? Well, you get a complaint from the tenant in the building that it's too hot. So the tenant calls the building owner, the building owner calls the contractor, the contractor schedules you know, a person to come out tomorrow to take a look at the machine. The person gets out to the machine, they don't have the right tools, they don't have the expertise, they're really just there to figure out what's wrong, they're not there to fix it, right? Think about how this happens today in real time, to your point about always being connected and, and no matter where you are, what you're doing. Yet to your point a second ago, you can now predict that the machine is about to break down because of the IoT devices and sensors sending that data into the system. The prediction is made. A real time alert is sent to service technicians who are in the area, right? Because you know their real time location. They can accept uh, the job. They can be directed to the location of the air conditioner. Since we know what the problem is, we're only picking people who have the right expertise and the right tools on the machine to fix it. And then while the machine is being fixed, the air conditioner, it's continuing to stream re real-time data in so they can know if the adjustments they're making are helping or not. It's truly a radical transformation uh, to how this whole process worked by turning it from an, an offline, non-real-time process to a real-time process. So, yeah, and so whether it's you know on the B two C side or on the B two B side, I think uh, you know I truly believe that becoming real-time is is truly central to digital transformation. Now, you brought up AI, and I think that's it's a perfect segue into what's going on with AI. Uh, what what tell us a little bit more about the impact of AI and machine learning on business in general and digital transformation from your perspective. What's going on? I, I think that 
the key word that I that just pops into my mind immediately is efficiency. Mm. So increased efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, with artificial intelligence, uh, you know, we've had intelligent machines for a very long time. So where it's really started to change the game is when we had machine learning. So, you mm-hmm. know, machine learning being that we now have algorithms that can iterate on themselves. And um, because these algorithms are iterating on themselves, the speeds are incredible. It's mind blowing. Um, yep. And it's far quicker than any human being uh, could, could possibly do anything. So with this, it's, you know, with this independence um, capability to iterate on the algorithm, this is why we have autonomous driving right now. So you couldn't have that. This is, this is edge analytics. This is the V like, you know, you take like uh, a Tesla yep. and it's got all these cameras on the car. Um, we have a model X. So, you know, I'm keenly, you know, I'm keenly invested in, in, in how this vehicle works. And, you know, the reason I have it is part of walking the talk is really looking at how does this work and am I willing to be a part of this? And, you know, the cameras on it all over it are exquisite. So it's taking in all this information and it's making decisions right there. It's not sending information back, waiting for it to be processed and then waiting for an answer back. It's making decisions. So these are decisions at the edge. And when we're talking about um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, real time isn't possible without AI and this machine learning aspect. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it's, it's absolutely positively happening faster and faster. I mean, we're already talking quantum computing and at those speeds, you know, we, we really won't be able to keep up. And, um, this is where all of these, uh, you know, being very preemptive is going to be important because, you know, I think that's going to, that's going to, it's going to spill over into our lives. I think manufacturing right now is, is using predictive maintenance to really be not only efficient, but safe, right? But think about why are we not using predictive maintenance on health? And so we already have the capability to 3D print you, you know, a new heart if you need it. And, you know, what if your sensors are letting your healthcare providers and we have this, you know, healthcare cloud, letting them know, hey, you know what, Blaine, you need to come in. Uh, We're going to, you know, couple of years from now, you could have a heart attack. So we're going to go ahead and get you a new one and 3D print it with your own stem cells. So there's no rejection factor. Mm-hmm. You know, our world is completely, you know, changing. And yet back to regular business, I, my 17 year old son works at a grocery store and on Monday they had their freezers went down uh-huh. and we're talking a massive grocery store chain and they have lots of food. And if they didn't, if they'd had sensors doing predictive maintenance, they wouldn't have had those losses because it would have been taken care of before these freezers yeah. went down and said all the staff is like stuffing the meat case with dry ice and oh sealing it up because you're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of loss. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right on. Well, and that uh, probably brings us to uh, IoT. 
So, you know, the sensors on the freezers and, and all that, which is really moving pretty rapidly into, into the real market these days is, uh, is, you know, a very important topic. And the, the scenario you painted is exactly the reason why. My, from what I'm seeing in the market, IoT is finally sort of getting out of the lab and into the real world. Do you, do you agree with that? Or what are you seeing in this regard when you're talking to uh, some of the folks? Oh, it's definitely out of the lab. You're right. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's out of the lab. It's, uh, it's impacting everything from wearables to, um, you know, we, you know, sensors on, uh, you know, bearings and uh, within manufacturing sensors on every piece of equipment you could possibly imagine. So it's giving feedback. Um, we have IOT now. And I mean, we have IOT in pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. So you can take a pill and with this, you know, IOT enabled device, we can know exactly the dosage, the time you took it and when it hit your stomach. Um, so, you know, IOT is infused in everything. And this is why uh, we have so much data, you know, we because yeah, right. these devices are giving us tons of data. And when you think about say, um, in manufacturing, you have all kinds of data coming out from these sensors. You don't need all of that data, right? So yep. this is data exhaust. Right. What you need is then you pairing all of that IoT data, again, with the AI and the machine learning to really pluck out what you need. But IoT is here. It's changing yep. our lives. And it's actually pretty exciting. We, ne yep. we, need, we need IoT. Well, and plucking out what you need and then taking an action on that is is related to another topic you've brought out a couple of times now and you started with this actually as a discussion on uh you you refer to it as human machine collaboration and that's actually exactly how what we uh, how we describe it as well it's about how you know as these intelligent machines and systems are, are increasingly becoming as you said faster and better at what they do we still need to find ways for people to work effectively in these systems. And in fact, we can make them work even more effectively by really collaborating between humans and machines. That's, a, that's what we fundamentally believe at Vantic. I'd like you to touch on this a little more since you actually brought up the topic of human-machine collaboration a while ago. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I just, I am excited about the possibility of being able to increase the capacity of communication through technology. Because, you know, in the end, we have to look at why are we doing anything? I like to reverse engineer from the end. Why, why are we using machines anyway? Why are we doing any of what we're doing? Well, hopefully it's because we are trying to, um, we're trying to augment the lives of human beings and make them better. You know, we're trying yeah. to create more food on the planet for people to eat. We're trying to clean up the water so people have clean water to drink. We are trying to make more efficient decisions within organizations to make them uh, profitable and grow and you know create jobs. So, you know, I think that you know the machine-human partnership is absolutely critical yeah. because of our modern days, because things are changing so quickly to help us communicate. Because we're creating new ways of relationships now. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. with augmented reality and virtual reality and, you know, being able to project holographic images. I actually did a keynote once as a holograph. Um, mm. you, there are different kinds of relationships now. And so yeah. 
you know, we have to look at how this machine human collaboration is going to facilitate those relationships. And our younger generation coming up, yeah. they communicate differently. I don't know if, if yeah. you've got kids I do. playing, yep. Yep. but you know, we've got, we've got Gen Z's at home and yep. you know what they do is they send you a bunch of emoji texts, you know, with these emoticons <laughs> and you're supposed to figure it out, you know, what right. is that? What does this, yeah. you know, line yeah. of pictures yeah. mean? But this is how this generation communicates and this generation is massive and they're coming up the ranks and, you know, yeah. they, all the studies uh, are showing that this is a very unique generation in the fact that they are actually m most likely to be managing the millennials, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty yeah. funny, <laughs> but uh, they're a driven generation. And this generation is one that is going to harness the machine human partnership yeah. Yeah. because we are changing the way we communicate and yeah. it's much more visual. We're talking about vocal interfaces, visual interfaces, yeah. And no more of these manipulatives. We're not right. going to need to touch anything. Yeah, yeah, right on. Well, I, I love this notion. I talk about human-machine collaboration quite a bit. But this idea of human-machine partnership, I think that's, that's a great uh, thought process for me. If you don't mind, I'm going to steal that concept from you because that's, <laughs> a, that's a great idea. I've never, I've never thought about it in those terms before. But it's literally even more than a collaboration, right? It, it is a partnership between people and, and so-called machine systems, software, whatever it is. To make everybody more effective so yeah right, right on so you actually uh, mentioned AR and augmented reality and virtual reality a second ago uh, any thoughts on on real business in where are we in terms of real business impact of these technologies or is it mostly about video games and and uh, you know watching movies on an airplane you know it's a it's a great question that you ask and um, you know I I, first of all, I have to say the machine human partnership, I probably stole from Michael Dell. So you can give. Uh, okay. Dell credit for all right. That. All right. Um, I hate, I hate to take credit for much <laughs> not one, but, um, uh, but you know, you're right about the AR VR and the fact that it used to be about, uh, gaming and it used to be about that entertainment sector, but it's moved out of that. And it definitely has a lot of power right now in the enterprise space. Um, you know, the first thought, you know, that the first place that it's really expanded and grown quickly is in the manufacturing space. Mm -hmm. um, and also within the space of, um, you know, energy and utilities and mm -hmm. uh, workers out in the field. Yep. Um, you know, I was using a, um, an AR headset um, by Daiquiri. I don't know if you know the company Daiquiri, no, but I actually no, was using their headset and it actually was walking me through um, a surgical procedure so that mm -hmm. in the field, if I needed to do this surgery, it was literally showing me what to do um, piece by piece. So, you know, you think of all the applications with that with uh, within the space of healthcare and with delivering services to rural areas that don't have uh, healthcare providers or in combat, right? You think mm. about um, mm -hmm. folks on the ground who need emergency treatment and the person needing to deliver that treatment doesn't have the previous experience. So AR and VR's applications is also rocking the space with uh, education. Mm -hmm. So it is completely right. disrupting the model that we had that's not serving uh, most people 
uh, in education. And you think about kids with autism being able to um, experience a different level of education that right. they're forced into this public classroom that really, you know, it's an old model. That's the industrialized model of teaching is let's, let's shove information down people's throats instead of teaching them how to think and teaching them how to learn. Um, because really, you know, AR, VR lets you access information from absolutely anywhere. Yep. So um, another really cool uh, AR, VR piece is within the space of, um, uh, you know, healing traumatic memories. Hmm. Um, and they're actually able to take people through scenarios that uh, simulate what, what is causing a lot of distress. So say with uh, previous combat experience, a, a veteran may, right. she may have you know, PTSD um, or he may have PTSD and they actually are showing that AR VR is um, helping hmm. them to be able to overcome that and transition back into civilian life, which is huge. If you know anything about this space with veterans, you know, this is such an underserved market. Um, and these people have served us, uh, and done, done their duty. And then they're expected to come back and, you know, <laughs> live yeah. an average life. And, you know, we're asking a lot of these people. So I think technology used to heal humans to make human beings better and to, um, you know, serve humanity to me, that's where the juice is at. And AR, VR is so much more than entertainment now. It's just absolutely positively exciting. And <laughs> soon, you know, soon it's going to be about just putting on your headset. It's not going right. to be about what you learned before in your past. It's going to be about what you can do right now. Yeah. And it's going to change to learning. Yeah. Yeah, and enabled by exactly this human-machine collaboration that ex we've been talking about. So before we wrap it up, and I'm going to ask you some about uh, some takeaways or key tips for business leaders that are trying to drive a real-time transformation. Before we do that, I do have a couple of questions that came in uh, during the webinar. I know we're getting a little low on time here, but let me get a couple of them out. Uh, a, we haven't brought up the topic of blockchain yet. And the question is, <laughs> is blockchain hype or is, is there something real there? And I'll just say my, my personal commentary on that is I was speaking about real-time event-driven applications in, in the space of IoT at a London technology event two weeks ago. And, and this event was two-thirds blockchain. It was, it was, it was crazy. And I, I can tell you my, from a personal perspective, two thirds of that two thirds was just pure smoke and mirrors. Just a lot, a lot of noise, a lot of BS. But I also think there's, there's fundamentally something real there. What's your thought on, on blockchain, on the state of blockchain these days? It's what the question is about. First of all, I cannot believe we waited to the very end to bring up blockchain. <laughs> I know, I, I resisted, I resisted. Oh my God. It. So it's, it's, you know, not bringing up blockchain is like not bringing up bacon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're about equivalent, you know, although they're, neither of them are good for you. No, I didn't. I take that back. So anyway. Give, give I know. You're just joking. I, you know, to answer your question, you know, every, every time we have something new pop up and it becomes, you know, super sexy to talk about and include in everything, there's a certain amount of hype to it for sure. I mean, didn't we see this with artificial intelligence? Of course, of course. I mean, 
it was the cool thing, you know, the cool kid on the block to talk about, but everybody's like, show me the money. Where is it actually working? Yeah. So this is where we're at with blockchain, but blockchain is extremely real. It is probably the coolest thing to hit the security space because, you yeah. know, we have this digital ledger now and it's, you know, so where it's really transforming is if you look at energy and utilities, blockchain is enabling you and I to, you know, take our surplus energy that we have from our solar uh, cells and sell them to our neighbor. I mean, this is real stuff. This isn't just, you know, this is stuff that the energy and utility companies, they know, They're, they don't want to talk about it, but they are very aware of it because it's happening in certain parts of the world already um, and, and in the U.S. as well. So blockchain there is, is disrupting energy and utilities. It's power to the people. It's giving individuals, um, you know, the power to make transactions that before, mm. you know, they weren't able to do uh, in this in the space of security, you know, blockchain coming into, you know, our, our, our phones is, is really going to be next because these things can be hacked. Your SIM card can be hacked. Now, our current method, your bank, if you go to make a change to your bank or you go to make a change to your, even your security password on Facebook, they're going to send you a text message with a verification code. Now, if someone's already hacked into your phone, they can access anything that you have, and guess what? That security code gets sent to them, they input it in, they can change all the passwords on you. Now you're locked out, it's your stuff. So I think that blockchain is, is critically important for being able to secure, uh, make things secure. Because you know, I wish I had a chalkboard here so I could explain to people how blockchain works. Although oh, probably everybody. Oh no, God! Please, God, God help us! God, because, God help because us. everybody's probably on <laughs> listening to this. They already know. They're like, "Don't tell us, Tamara." But it's this, you know, really cool diagram of this building with all these blocks. And the reason blockchain is so exquisite is if you have a hacker and they come in and they hack here. You know, that you can't pull that block out, that cement block out of the building because right. there's all these other blocks on top. Yeah. So it is real. Um, you just have to be exquisitely uh, inquisitive as to how you're going to apply it. And again, yeah. just like AI, yeah. Yeah. what is the challenge you're trying to solve That's right. for? What's the use case? What's the challenge? I agree. I think right now, so I agree with everything you said. I think right now, a lot of the hype is, you know, it's hype of a technology ahead of use case. And we're only just starting to figure out some interesting use cases like you were talking about. So, all right, I had to bring it up. And now we've done our blockchain segment. <laughs> one, one more quick question before we wrap it up. Uh, this is actually, I think, a really interesting one that comes up all the time. So who should own digital transformation in the enterprise? Should it be the IT group or the business side? IT or business, who should drive digital transformation in an enterprise? This is sort of a classic, uh, should it be the technology guys or should it be the, you know, the business units? What's your yeah. opinion? Honestly, uh, I think it has to be a really tight collaboration. Um, I do believe that business needs to drive uh, what they're solving for, right? So business is coming from asking the right questions because poor IT goes, all right, fine, guys. We'll give you what you want, but what is it that you want, right? Yeah. So, you know, IT needs the support of business to direct what it is that they want so that IT is empowered to, to deliver. 
So yeah. I think it is incredibly important that there's this really tight collaboration. Um, I know ownership is critical. Um, I do believe that, you know, business, you know, maybe business needs to own and be very clear about what is it they expect from IT so that when IT delivers, they're not, you know, crucified and a scapegoat on the table for not digitally transforming because right. I find the IT departments, I mean, I love the IT departments. They, they work they work their tails off and they are the ones scrambling right now. And they're the ones that everyone blames for not having digitally transformed an organization, but they need direction. They need to know what it is clearly that you want yeah. and business yeah. needs to know why they want it. Yeah. So it's yeah. never about the fact that they don't have the technology. It's about, they've never really taken the time to ask the right questions questions of the technology so that IT can deliver those answers. No, I, I think that's right. And and in, in addition to all that, one, one way I also answer that question is, what do you mean IT or the business? IT is is in the business, right? Like I IT is in the business. Thank it's you. It's a separate thing. Yes. That's, you know, so there, there you go. Like just to set it up as IT or business, <laughs> which I did, is incorrect right from the get-go. For the reason, for all the reasons you said, you know, but that's the short version. IT is in the business. What are you talking about, right? Or it needs to be. Anyway, it can't be a separate siloed thing. So I agree. All right, let's wrap this up. So, you know, any key takeaways or tips for business leaders? And that could include IT people because we've now put IT in the business for business leaders who are trying to drive, you know, a transformation of their business in real time. Yeah, I think that, you know, get real clear on what the business challenges are that you have that you're trying to solve for. And then get exquisitely good at asking the right questions of the data uh, and of your folks. And, you know, the, I, I can't stress enough how important it is to involve um, a really healthy, potent ecosystem of partners. Again, this isn't something that any organization should do on their own because you can't be great at everything. And if you try to be, you're not going to be around for long. You need to include people within your ecosystem that, you know, organizations and companies that are really, you know, they are experts in these areas for them to come in and help you and support you. But, you know, being crystal clear about what those businesses challenges are that you're trying to solve for will help you pick the right partners within your ecosystem. And, you know, it's, it's a we, you know, not a me. We do this, we're better together. Organizations are better partnering with other organizations who are experts within those, those fields. So I can't yeah. stress enough the power of if you want to be innovative, disruptive, and grow within your marketplace, get a powerful ecosystem of partners together so that you're driving with the security of knowing that you don't have to have a team that's the uh, experts in everything. It's just not possible. Right, right on. Well, Tamara, thank you so much for this. It's been a really a, a really enjoyable conversation. Uh, for, to remind folks who are listening, you can find Tamara McCleary on LinkedIn, on Twitter, a huge uh, Twitter following. You can check out her company, thulium.co. And again, Tamara, thank you so much for the time today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's been, uh, it's been too quick. This was really delightful. Oh, well, we'll and, do it uh, again. We'll have to do it again. <laughs> Thanks so much. Take You're care. Yeah, bye-bye.